It's Tuesday, September 15th, and this is The Pit Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jay Miller back with another pitch show. Remember, we are in the preseason before the 2021 season, so we are on the new format. Uh, I'll probably remind y'all a few more times before we start kicking it into hyperdrive on this format and how we're going to run with it. But I hope you've had a great week since we last talked. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. There were so many warm messages and people saying they really enjoyed the new format. They liked how it was broken up. They liked interweaving the theme with the topic, with the guest, and then tying it all back at the end. Uh, so we're, we're going to keep doing that. And, and that's kind of the plan going forward. Uh, for those that don't know, my name is Jay Miller. I am a developer advocate and a lover of helping people reach their peak productivity without preaching apps and technology and things like that to them. But this week, I wanted to talk about something that came up in a live stream that I was watching. So shout out to the one Joe Bulig for his weekly Twitch streams where he talks about a lot of analog productivity things. For those that don't know, I'm a bullet journalist. I use the bullet journal to manage my day, my week, my year. And we're not talking about that. Uh, in this conversation that we that I had um, during Joe's stream, I made the statement that a lot of content creators are moving towards streaming. Now, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I wanted to think about the idea of what does content look like in the fall of 2020 and going forward. And in my mind, I broke it down into three sections, and we're going to cover the first two before we kick it into the second half of our interview with Zach Brady. Uh, and he actually talks about a project that he's doing now that is really interesting and why we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. But let's jump into this. A lot of technical content creators are moving to a pay-first model. And that's interesting. You know, it seems like we learned from the App Store race to the bottom, which I've talked about in, you know, previous episodes. We've learned that people are becoming less and less willing to part with their money when it comes to learning content. And what we see out of that are two things. One, the aggregation of learned content. So a lot of course 
aggregation services, Skillshare, LinkedIn Learning, formerly known as Lynda.com, um, Egghead.io, Frontend Masters. All of these companies, in my opinion, are the medium of content creation in the form of, of courses. Uh, for those that don't know, full disclosure, I have clients who have their own learning platforms where they do online video work. And I'm not going to talk about any of those, but I will say that that model today is almost like the end goal. Um, people that tend to want to go the route of I'm going to own the entire stack as well as the content doesn't really seem to happen anymore. There's a, there's a few outliers of people who had really large communities and the ability to create that type of system and still use it to this day. I can only think of maybe three or four people right now that are doing that and doing it at a successful, what, what they would consider a successful level. The rest of them are using these aggregation tools where you're going for vetted content with a ton of features, with a ton of feedback from the community and an overall marketing engine that allows you to put out content with a greater chance of it being seen and being adopted. And I think that's where the courses like Udemy and Coursera, like those platforms kind of failed, was that they were trying to be a little bit of everything to everyone. And that limited how they could market themselves, where something similar to like a front-end masters focuses purely on front-end design and development, where Egghead.io only talks mostly about the development side of things. Um, Skillshare just has a lot of capital that they can spend on marketing so that they're not really running into these problems. Um, again, LinkedIn Learning is ultimately owned by Microsoft, so they're basically printing money at this point. The ultimate goal for this is that creators are trading. I don't want to say ownership because I don't know the full agreements of the content creators and the platform, but they are trading some of the users capital, you know, they're having to pay to be, you know, to have all this stuff hosted and things like that. Egghead is taking a cut. Um, Skillshare is taking a cut. And in return, there is a, a level of quality that will always be hit. And that's good for the consumer. Maybe not so good for the content creator. One, you're not making as much money. Two, you're not necessarily, you're not able to just do whatever you want with that content. You know, it's, it's gotta be released when they say it's released. It's gotta be issued out to who they, you know, you can't just give samples out to anybody. You know, you have, there's certain benefits that you may not have access to. And again, 
I'm not knocking any of these. I'm saying it's a trade-off. And in my opinion, the trade-off isn't worth it to me, but it might be worth it to other content creators. It's also a great way to get your name out there. So once you start building your own following, you can go and migrate to what I would consider to, would be the next step up, which is a dedicated platform, a, you know, putting your own community on a service like Podia or Teachable or uh, Demio is another big one that's out there. And I feel like you do that once you have a community, once you have people that know you, that trust your brand and are following your brand more than they're following that of the aggregation site. That would be people that follow a specific developer more than they follow dev.2 uh, in, in kind of that analogy. I think that that is the ultimate goal for a lot of these creators. In fact, we see a lot of YouTubers now that are doing kind of the same thing. They used YouTube to gain a large following and then once they felt like they could have that following go somewhere else to where they could um, keep more of a percentage of the content they created in terms of revenue, they could treat user information how they saw to be fit, not necessarily at the will of the platform. Uh, then they go and do that. They go and make that move. There are a lot of productivity professionals that are doing that now where they say, hey, follow my new course site where I have a hundred hours of course material that's all taught by me and all of these things. By the way, I'm going to make this disclaimer. I meant to do it at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm not, I'm not pushing anything new. Like, don't worry. There's not going to be any go follow my new website over where I do courses. And like, that's not going to happen. I'm going to talk about a couple of things at the end of the show, uh, that I am doing, but that's stuff that I've already been doing. And if you are hearing about it from the first time, then congratulations. But that means you haven't been listening for a long time, which isn't a bad thing, but it is what it is. So anyway, I've talked all about this like course and like private platform kind of model. The thing that I didn't expect to come out of this is the pay first model of courses and private platforms moving to written content. And that was something that I think became popular in like the tech space where you started having these private newsletters that would pop up or you would have a blog, like a popular blog that would have its own premium membership. And then the premium membership would have all of these extra perks. And then eventually the extra perks became so much more than the regular content that you were just expected to become a subscriber. Um, and then eventually it moved to the model where you just couldn't get anything if you didn't give money. Um, I kind of like that. I mean, not too long ago in a, in a, you know, near past newspapers were the thing. And if you wanted to read a newspaper, you had to pay for it. Uh, that's just the way it was. If you wanted the newspaper brought to you on a regular basis, you had to pay a subscription for it. I'm not as bullish on the idea of needing a subscription for everything as most people. I just personally believe that 
I don't need to consume everything. Um, and I don't have a right to consume everything for free. Uh, that's just my personal belief. I, I think that I should pay for the stuff that I want to consume and that I want to see continue into the ecosystem. But ultimately, not, I mean, I'm, I'm voting with my money. I'm voting with my wallet of what I want to see more of and what I want to see less of. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Now, what does that mean for the people that have to make a name for themselves first? Well, blogging kind of doesn't really work like it used to. And I'm going to talk about that after this conversation. But let's use this time to break and jump into the second half of my conversation with Zach Braddy. So one of the things that we were talking about a little bit before, uh, a few, actually a few days before was this new project that you've picked up on YouTube, uh, go into detail about that. Cause by the time that this airs, I'm sure you're going to have like a ton of these videos out. And I saw the first few and was just laughing to death because it's, it's like serious, but not so serious at the same time. <laughs> Thank Thanks so much. I'm glad you like them. Um, yeah, no, the, I, so I've, I've now been making content like developer content for, for some time and I've tried a lot of different, a lot of different formats. You know, I started out writing blog posts and, you know, as I say, I've done the course, I've done video content and podcasts and, uh, there was a time in my life when I was trying to make that like a job, like a, you know, I wanted to actually, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to go around being an expert for a living um but I, I think i started down that road and when i didn't really like writing blog posts and all that kind of stuff and i didn't like the pressure of of building something constantly to a cadence and all that kind of stuff it just made it like not fun anymore and mm -hmm. after a after a period of time of not having fun doing it i found some success and then i realized what the success of doing that means is you get to do more of it <laughs> You know, and I was like, I, I didn't want to do this much in the first place. And now I want to do even less. So gradually over the last year or so, I've been sort of like trying to find the ways to build content that that fulfills me and uh, hopefully people like. But but first and foremost, I enjoy making and I enjoy consuming. So Tabs and Spaces is part of that. You know, it's uh, the 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 podcast that is that is essentially the sort of podcast I'd want to listen to and and I have fun making and the YouTube thing is my goal there was right I want to start doing YouTube videos that are sort of tech related but I want to have fun doing them I don't want them to uh, you know become a chore so the goal is something short form and something that uh, you know I can have a bit of a chuckle whilst I make so. I sat down and I got a piece of software I've got called FaceRig that allows me to make my camera, make me look like I'm a cat uh, with a samurai helmet on. And so that's my face cam. And that works really well because it means that I don't have to like set up my room with like a green screen or do anything crazy like that. So I still get into like a nice effect, but it's easy to do. And then after that, I was just, uh, I, I was like, okay, now in terms of my content, I'm not going to plan any of it. I'm just going to decide this is what I want to do in this episode and I'm going to see 
if I can make it happen. And in that way, it becomes this sort of like spontaneous content um, of this cat trying to explore uh, a different a different piece of development and see see what he can do with it. Um, and then I thought at that point, it's so over the top and uh, you know r- ridiculous that really this isn't the sort of thing you're going to sit down and watch like a tutorial or you know it's it's not really. Do you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't expect to walk away learning something from it. So it's short form. It has to be sort of somewhat entertaining. So I thought, right, I'm going to put dubstep on the background too, you know, just to to really turn this up to 11. Um, And so that's what I'm doing. I'm putting out like five to six minute videos once a week of of, uh, this cat who is as yet unnamed uh, doing development stuff. One... I'm so glad you didn't turn on the software for this interview because, like, I'm looking at you now, and <laughs> I I would have just been like, "All right, this is this is a problem. I'm not going to be able to ask questions. Like, <laughs> like what's going on?" But I'm also really intrigued by the idea of kind of like that idea of an alter ego, like developer person, or like in this case, developer cat, like. Do you feel that, I guess two things, do you feel that sometimes developers take themselves too serious and need to relax a bit and by posting videos as a cat, that kind of helps you to do that, to be like, all right, I'm not going to take myself too seriously on this because I'm a cat. But then also the idea of, do you feel like there is value in being able to context switch in your role like okay cat developer loves using pearl because per i mean that was just too easy of a joke <laughs> i mean or, that's gonna be a video now <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah just wonder like is is there a way to think because i mean when i think about that like oftentimes well even I learned how to write code based on the problems that I had and the things that I was doing in my just day-to-day life. A lot of my code was like, how do I operate with podcasts? Because I was podcasting. But I slowly learned that other areas were harder for me to kind of figure out because they didn't have an interest to me. And I wonder if like, in some ways, like, as soon as I get off work, I'm now, you know, husband, dad. And then when I jump online at that point, people see me as like a video game player that streams live on Twitch and stuff. People don't see me as like a developer. So being able to like almost context switch and say, okay, now I'm this person. Do you feel like you're able to do that a little bit with your videos? Or do you feel like I'm just overthinking this? Like most developers overthink things. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of questions there, so but they've kind of got the same the same undercurrent. They, to, to reel back to what you were saying earlier, you know, do you think that do I think that developers take themselves too seriously? Yes, frequently, uh, you know, and and the tabs and spaces in this video is kind of it's kind of part of uh, me showing myself unwinding that because um, I do that day to day you know people who interact with me day to day and especially in a in a in a uh, business capacity knows that no no you know that I uh, as a co-worker I'm sort of 
a bit of a silly thing to behold. You know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I when I write documentation, I put GIFs in it and, you know, I put like emojis through it and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, as, as the days pass, uh, that sounds a little bit less off the wall, but I've been doing that for years. Uh, you know, in, in the, in the the late, uh, noughties, I was giving presentations with, you know, where I would, um, I would demonstrate technology. I remember I did an Angular demonstration, uh, Angular 1. Uh, well, well, it was you know even before version 1 then. I was showing some other developers Angular, and I made an Angular site that uh, had unicorns all over it and all that kind of stuff. So I've been doing this sort of thing for a long time, and I think that uh, the thing is, is that it doesn't, like, it doesn't ha- you don't have to make things boring. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have to go on, off on these long-winded rants about, I mean, it feels like that's what I'm doing now, but we don't we don't have to uh, we don't have to write you know reams and reams of documentation. I got this book on my shelf, right? Domain driven design, you know the the blue book. The the your, your your listeners won't be able to see it, but hang on, I'll show you so that you know the one I'm talking about. That guy. Yep. Right. It is like it's like 500 pages of like the most boring developer content that you can imagine, but it's so valuable. Like it, and I just like, just about tore my eyes out trying to, trying to get this stuff into my brain. And I just feel like if you made the content more fun, you make it more accessible, which means that it goes into your brain better and you understand it better. So when I wrote, when I write documentation and stuff at work, I put gifts in, I put something fun in and I put a joke in or something like that because it gives your brain a rest, which means that you're able to more effectively assimilate that knowledge. And people don't seem to understand that just because you're not being, like just because you're being yourself um, doesn't mean that you have to lose any precision in the, in the knowledge you're trying to transfer. It can, it, in actual fact, you're probably gaining it, mm-hmm. you know? I, I do think that there is, and I guess this this was the the second half of that question. Um, people value personality a lot. Um, some of my favorite teachers were the teachers that you felt there was a personal connection to in some way. Uh, some of the best talks that I've ever had, uh, we had uh, Melanie Crutchfield on the show a few weeks ago. And, you know, the thing that makes her talk stand out is that she is not trying to be anybody's senior developer in that talk. She is just straight up like, look, here were here were the struggles. This was the thing that made me want to punch a wall. Like, just being open and honest about it. I, I feel like I agree with you that there are so many developers that feel like every conversation they have they have need to be like the abstract of a book that they've written and that's just not the case i mean i feel like the way that people have taught me things were like look you're trying to build this thing ultimately this is a thing i would never use but i see this one piece of code here that you've done that seems a little wonky maybe you can solidify this a little bit with some new structure and then like mm. now there is a desire to want to learn it because it's like it's something that's going to directly affect me it's not going to be something that's like oh well because it's more quote unquote pythonic or it's oh well the industry standard is that we all use you know i don't know 
some verbiage that's going to align with doing scrum tickets and and getting points and mm-hmm. scrum and things like that. I, I think the more and more that we accept that developers are people like, yes, we're, we're telling robots to do things, but that doesn't make us robots. Like we are individuals with personalities and by letting those personalities come out, what we're actually doing is we're creating a space where we can engage with people because mm-hmm. we're not engaging with programmers. We're engaging with people. Yeah. And, and people don't realize as well that uh, in that injecting your personality into your code and the things that you write, um, it doesn't mean that you have to be completely tangential, uh, tangential, oh, come on, get, let me, let me get that word tangential. <laughs> it's not happening. You don't have to go off on a tangent. Um, it, you don't have to go off on a tangent. It doesn't have to be something that is parallel or, or intersecting with, with what you're trying to do. It can be your content. So for example, again, for many years, whenever I've written tests, like, uh, you know, TDD and all uh, tests, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I've needed to use a string. I've always used the string. I'm Batman. Um, and you know, seems silly, right? It's I, I'm Batman. It's a silly, it's a silly thing, right? That is exactly 10 characters long. It has a space, a special character, an uppercase character, a lowercase character. The only thing it doesn't have a nu- have is a number, but you could make one of the letters numbers if it, if it was really that important to you. So that, I mean, that is a, that's a good test string. And because it's exactly 10 characters long, if you wanted 100 characters, you could repeat it 10 times and there's 100 characters. So, mm-hmm. you know, pe- people see that and they look at me and they're like, oh, you wrote I'm Batman in a test that's checked into our code base. Like, yeah, it's a good it's a good string. And the other thing you can do as well is I write, uh, I write I'm Batman for all my positive tests when I'm testing like positive things, like in terms of, you know, I think this should work. And whenever I'm testing something that like should throw an exception or something like that, I use I'm Joker. So at a glance, I can tell without reading the name of the test what you know what this should, whether this is a positive or a negative test. That is something I've never thought about. Like the idea of having, I don't want to say like a, a sub language, but having a a given set of things that you do to make resolving challenges easier. Um, like I said, I mean, for me, I've I've spent the last week live streaming, writing tests and getting my tests to to work and then being effective tests. And oh god, you said testing, and I like winced a little, and I was like, ah. Oh. But at the same time, sounds like some electric content. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the thing was people enjoyed it because it was literally me just going, "Why? Why is this not working?" I'm tired. It's not like just yelling at the screen and people being like, "Yeah, we've we've all been there. We can all relate to this." And but I think I do think that there's something because I mean I'm just using like test content, test collection, test page item, blah blah blah. Like if I were to have a language that says, "I know that." these type of things are going to have this word associated with them. These type of things are going to have this word associated with. And, and I, again, I don't think it has to be something where you literally lock it down and go, this is the language structure. I think just one injecting a little bit of fun into it makes it not feel like you're, you know, getting a root canal done without any Novocaine, but it also helps to remember because things that we enjoy just happen to be more memorable. I can probably ask for name 10 times that you really had a good laugh. 
and name 10 times where you were really just ticked off. And sure, you could name off a couple of each, but you're probably going to remember more times you had a laugh than the times that you were ticked off. Hmm. I'm sure you would. You're a very positive person. I think there's a lot of people who would, there's a lot of people who would remember those bad times. But to bring it all back, you know, like so in terms of, you know, do I do I think that being the cat on the YouTube videos is is a disconnect? Not really. It's just it's an extension of of what of the sort of developer I am and and what I want to do, what I want to put out into the world. And what I'd really like to have those videos become to someone is something that where like they don't necessarily, you don't necessarily want to sit down and watch a six hour course, but you do want to do something to do with development, but you want it to be a bit lighter. Um, I'd like these sorts of things to be something that you could sit down and be like, oh, I'm going to watch a few of those cat video things. They, you know, they make me laugh and I might learn something while I'm, while I'm there sort of thing, you know? No, I like that. And I guess a good question to wrap it up and, and start working our way to the after show on is, um, the samurai hat. Why mm-hmm. not? Why not a Batman mask? <laughs> Batcat. Batcat. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it was just. It, I, again, I was say. I said at the beginning, I wanted the whole thing to be easy, so none of it's really custom. It was just kind of built into the software that I had, and I was like, "Yeah, he's got a samurai hat. That's kind of cute. He's, I'm gonna have that." Yeah. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to my conversation with Zach Braddy. If you didn't get the first part of that conversation, go back and take a look at last week's episode. It was definitely one of my favorite conversations that I've had. Um, Zach's been a longtime listener, and it was finally good to be able to sit down and talk with him. By the way, if you want to hear that entire conversation in its entirety, you can sign up for the bonus feed. The bonus feed is absolutely free. It's to people that want to hear the whole thing. People that want to hear the after show where Zach interviews me and asks me a bunch of questions. And at the end of the day, people have asked, why is it not just part of the show? Why do I not just give the whole thing out at once? Um, Well, we used to, and now we don't, which is fine. Things change. But I don't include the after show because sometimes the after shows are five minutes. Sometimes they're two hours. Uh, So... It's more for a consistency feel, but if you want to hear more of a conversation, uh, there will be a link in the show notes for where you can download the bonus show. It is a private RSS feed. It's not in iTunes or anything like that. So you're just going to have to, to click the link and uh, subscribe via RSS, the old school way. Now, before we jumped into the interview, I was asking, how does one make themselves known? Well, Of course, video content, I think right now is still kind of king or queen or it's it's a leading the pack as we speak in all of the social media metrics. People say the video is just best. Of course, we see that with TikTok, you know, kind of being the the big social media platform focusing on video. Uh, We see that with YouTube being the second largest search engine in the world, which is amazing. But I want to talk about the idea of blogging via video. Now, what does that look like? Well, one, it's the idea of using video to capture the process as a whole. And that starts with 
the live stream and ends with the garnered video, the, the final video. And this is something that a good friend of mine, Brian Douglas, has been doing uh, for a few months now. Uh, I've noticed he will talk about a subject on a live stream. He'll be working through figuring out how a thing works, exploring it, playing around with it, interacting with his community, and connecting with people on live stream. And nothing there is taken seriously. Like Zach was saying, everybody there is having a good time. You know, we pick on him for flexing too much because of his fancy job and all that. But we're having a great time. We're enjoying the ride. We're enjoying the process of being able to connect with the content creator. And I think that that's super important. I think that's why streaming is as popular as it is now. Because in a world where we're starved for connection... The fact that we can interact with people and feel as if we're in the room talking with them is really, really valuable. And to me, streaming is only going to become more and more popular as larger and larger companies start to adopt it. We've already seen how the U.S. military has stream teams now. They're like, there's seriously like a Marine Corps, Air Force, Army stream team. Like these are things. I wish I would have had that when I was in the military because your boy would have been playing like, I don't know, like Minecraft was, well, Minecraft was still in beta when I was in the military, but that, that's another story. But I think that as larger and larger companies start to adopt it, we see Microsoft doing this. We see, well, Twitch already owns the platform, but we see Twilio. We see these companies that have influencer developer types that are going to their audiences and saying, hey, you can see me doing my day-to-day on Twitch, on YouTube Live. You can join me there. And I think that that's going to be super important. But where does it end? And it ends with the idea of once you have figured it out, then you go and you make that video. Then you go and you write that course. Then you go and you, you know, create that book, you know, write the book. Uh, Shout out to Al Swigert, amazing Python developer, author. He wrote Automate the Boring Stuff with Python. He's wrote a few other books on how to make games and do a bunch of things with Python and some other tools. So one of the things I really enjoy about watching Al stream is Al will write a book and then include the demos for the book. But when he's building those demos out, he's live streaming them. So he's live streaming the process of thinking through the demo building the demo out. So ultimately it's all working towards that final product of selling the book, but He is gaining some revenue through Twitch, and he's also connecting with his audience, his readership, on Twitch while the content is being created. And I think that that's going to be the future of content creation in terms of the individual, where you have larger and larger companies taking advantage of the platform in new ways you're going to have the individual that is connecting with his audience or with their audience on a close basis and then transforming those experiences with the end result being a final purchasable product now again i'm telling you now we don't have like 
we as in pit, as in me, as in productivity in tech, the pit show, we're not doing anything new. We're not doing anything different. But I will say that I, Jay Miller, the developer, the content creator, the uh, podcast producer, editor, transcriptor, render engineer, JavaScripter, Pythoner. I'm, now I'm just trying to flex on my own self and it's not really working all that well. I am doing more in terms of streaming content. Um, it's been a few weeks since I've been on live stream, mostly because of the fires, the heat, <laughs> you know, the weather just has been terrible. I wanted to do video for this, but I'm dripping sweat because it's just way too hot. But, you know, whatever, you know, we'll have to figure it out eventually. But I will say that my goal for Pitt in for the rest of 2020 and the rest of 2020 well, and then 2021 in the future is to continue to do more live stream content maybe even turn some of these recordings into live content to continue to push out a newsletter where I am talking about these kinds of topics more in depth, to write more blog posts, to do all of those things, but to ultimately connect on a one-to-one basis with you out there, the community. And the best way that I can tell you how to take advantage of this is to just hit me up on Twitter. Email me, info at productivityintech.com. If you have a thought, you have something that struck your mind and you just want it answered, you have a question, you have some feedback you want to give the show, you will be able to hear it in those live streams. You'll be able to hear it on this podcast. That is the direction more than any of these things, writing content for courses and live streaming and newslettering and all that stuff. More than anything, it is having a one-to-one connection with people in your audience. And that's what I've been trying to do for the past five years. That's what I'm going to keep doing, hopefully for another five, 10, 15 years in the future, I want everyone to feel as if, even though I'm talking to a large audience listening to the show, you have the ability to connect with me on a one-to-one scale. And I can only do that as much as y'all will allow me. So again, if you have any feedback for the show, you have any thoughts, you have any considerations, you have anything that you want to bring to the show in terms of an idea or, or just, you know, a criticism... You can do it. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter, KJY Miller, or of course on email. I forgot what it was called for a second. Hit me up by email, info at productivityintech.com. That's going to do it for this week. This has been The Pit Show. I've been your host, Jay Miller, and thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you all next week. Pet Show was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jay Miller. You can connect with me online at KJY Miller on Twitter, or you can check out my website at kjymiller.com. My guest this week was Zach Bratton. You should follow him on Twitter at ZacherTheHacker and check out his podcast, Tabs and Spaces, at tabsandspaces.io. That's going to do it for this week. I've been your host, Jay Miller. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, see you later.